You're listening to an Eyes on Washington podcast brought to you by Holland and Knight's Public Policy and Regulation Group. Our Public Policy and Regulation Group is a strong bipartisan team with deep ties throughout Washington, D.C. We have built a thriving government affairs practice through our depth of experience and diversity and by maintaining our bipartisan approach. The first 100 days of the Biden administration podcast series will take a look at the current political landscape and what listeners should anticipate to see from all facets of law facing this new administration. Welcome back, everybody, to our second podcast on the digital economy and tax. I am Nassim Fazel. I am a partner in the uh, trade group at Holland and Knight. And I am joined once again today by two of our Holland and Knight tax gurus, Josh Odens and Alan Granwell. We hope you had the opportunity to listen to our, our last podcast, essentially laying the framework for you on what on earth is going on with digital services taxes. What are these taxes? Why the proliferation of these taxes around the world? And what is the United States? and its trading partners doing to uh, address these taxes and find an agreement on the global stage. So with that, uh, today we are going to just spend some time updating you on what has happened since we were last all together talking about this very interesting topic. On the trade front, um, when when we got together last time, I gave you a brief overview of uh, the latest actions taken by the Biden administration. Um, if uh, you know, you go back to last year when the last USTR started a number of investigations under the auspices of Section 301 of the Trade Act of 1974. We talked a bit about that last time, but essentially um, they started these investigations and, and concluded before leaving office that uh, these taxes were, uh, in fact, discriminatory and unfairly targeting uh, U.S. companies. However, they, they didn't take action. There was a lot of anticipation that, that they would take action on their way out the door and impose tariffs, but they did not do so, and they left that for the Biden administration. At the end of March, the Biden administration, uh, through USTR, announced that it was going to seek comments from the public on a potential trade action against a number of the countries that USTR had investigated. That includes Austria, India, Italy, Spain, Turkey, and the United Kingdom. USTR uh, asked for public comment and also announced multi-jurisdictional as well as individual hearings on these various investigations that will be happening in the beginning of May. So if you are interested in commenting, uh, we encourage you to get your comments in. If we can be of assistance, we would be very happy to, and uh, please feel free to reach out. The comments are due by April 30th, and USTR is also asking if companies or organizations would like to appear at the hearing that they submit their request for appearance by April 21st along with testimony. And again, these hearings will be held in early May, uh, ranging from May 4th through May 11th. Now, another interesting development at the end of March, um, USTR announced that it would not be proceeding with investigations that the last USTR had begun on 
CFTs that had been proposed by the European Union, the Czech Republic, Brazil, and Indonesia. USDR indicated that since these jurisdictions had not adopted or implemented the taxes, that it would be terminating the investigations. So that's where we are now on the trade front. Um, notably, USDR also said that it was going to continue to remain focused on uh, the OECD process and committed to finding a solution there, but that it wanted to maintain its options, including tariffs, in the meantime. And with that, I want to hand it over to Alan to talk to us about what is going on in the tax universe. <laughs> There's just been a flurry of activity and, uh, you know, it all may very well determine what happens um, when it comes to the trade actions or not. So, Alan, over to you. Maybe you can clear some of this up for us. Thank you so much, Nassim, and welcome, everybody. There, as Nassim has mentioned, really been a frenetic course of activities in the last week or so. Every day, something else comes out. But uh, let me summarize it, and then um, Josh and I will sort of chat about this in, in high-level terms. Uh, as you are uh, undoubtedly aware, last week, uh, the president uh, announced his jobs plan, this major initiative to invest in American infrastructure, research, technology, green energy, which is more than the uh, hard type of uh, infrastructure of roads, uh, airports, and uh, other types of facilities. And this plan is proposed to be uh, funded primarily by increases in uh, corporate taxation, as we'll describe. And it's, it's uh, summarized in another document the administration released called the Made in America uh, Tax Plan. And under this particular plan, the U.S. corporate income tax rate would be increased from 21 to 28% there would be an adoption of a 21% global minimum tax. That's really on the foreign profits of U.S. multinational corporations. There would be incentivization for U.S. Um, uh, corporates to invest in uh, the U.S. and in uh, jobs and a disincentive of U.S. corporates to invest abroad and jobs and also a disincentive in terms of profit shifting. And all of this would be monitored by increases in the IRS budget on the compliance front. Well, the reaction to the infrastructure is one thing. I think parties agree that the infrastructure should be improved. But there's been a significant counter-reaction to the increase in corporate rates to fund uh, this particular plan. At the same time, while all of this is going on, as Nassim had mentioned, and as we discussed in our uh, first podcast, there uh, are the imposition of these unilateral digital digital services taxes by countries around the world and how the U.S. reacts against those. And as we mentioned, there is this project going on at the OECD to resolve these issues, uh, which is the pillar one, pillar two, to deal with profit allocation and nexus initiatives and also global minimum taxation. 
And what is so interesting in terms of what the Biden administration did is they tied their corporate tax increases to what is going on in the OECD. In other words, to maintain U.S. competitiveness in view of the proposed increase of the corporate tax rate to 28%, the U.S. has actively re-engaged with the OECD inclusive framework dealing with this Pillar 1 and Pillar 2. And in the Pillar 2 context has urged countries uh, around the world to adopt robust minimum taxes and uh, to provide for disincentives. And if they don't adopt these minimum taxes, these countries would be subject to disincentives, potentially a, a, a denial of deduction of payments to these low tax countries. Likewise, in terms of how to address digital service taxes and the proliferation of those types of taxes worldwide, the uh, United States is mentioning to the U.S. that that type of issue has to be resolved in order to really create a uniform international tax structure and the proposals being currently made by the U.S. would provide a simpler method to deal with the profit um, allocation and nexus as opposed to the uh, complex ways that previously had been uh, proposed, which simpler ways would um, reduce compliance, administer burdens, provide certainty, be principled and not discriminatory against large U.S. companies. And by if this all works, the idea would be that there would be a resolution of this DST problem and concomitantly an increase in uh, the global minimum tax. So countries then would not be racing to the bottom. Josh, am I getting this right? And what do you think the, the sort of the takeaways of this unusual initiative are? Alan, you absolutely nailed it. And there's a lot to unpack. I think it's interesting. So looking at the OECD and inclusive framework process, just reminding everyone that back in 2020, the last administration created a new hurdle for Pillar 1 and said that Pillar 1 would be a safe harbor for Amount A. And Amount A, once again, is the IP return that would be ceded to the market jurisdiction. And Secretary Yellen noted that the U.S. would change its negotiation position and that Pillar 1, the Amount A, would no longer be a safe harbor and the U.S. would change its negotiating position. So that led to, I think, some very positive developments and showed the U.S. willingness to move in a direction to reach agreement at the inclusive framework. Uh, it's clear that the Biden infrastructure proposals are fairly similar to what is under discussion at the OECD on Pillar 2. What we have not seen is how Pillar 1 would operate in the U.S. system, but perhaps the U.S. will move forward on changes to guilty and changes to the beat or the base version anti-abuse tax and, and will then make further revisions to... Uh, align the, us with uh, with Pillar 1 if an agreement is reached. Does this Go mean ahead. that we're going to resolve? Are we going to end up with tariffs? Because what, what you guys just described sounds incredibly ambitious, but there also seems to be this great deal of ambition backing the goals. So um, are we going to get there? Are we going to avoid tariffs? Where do you see this going? So 
I, I think there are different pieces of what's in the Biden tax proposal. And it's possible that we end up with multiple rounds of corporate tax and international tax changes. I think raising the rate, for example, is fairly easy. And if one looks at the polling, it's a fairly popular message to increase corporate taxes in exchange for paying for better infrastructure that even polls well among Republicans. So I, I think it's possible we could see a corporate tax increase. And then on the OECD inclusive framework and guilty beat side, we need to see more details to see the advanced thinking of Treasury. We will see that when the Treasury releases its full budget and green book, and we'll get a sense of, of what the, the connections are between the different provisions. And it's possible that may not be ready for passage in the near term, and it might be a, a fall exercise. And at the same time, what we've seen at the OECD so far, the public, the two public documents, filler one and two, contain detail, but not sufficient detail for implementation. So we don't really know the time frame for implementing pillars one and two. They will require uniform legislation and a multilateral instrument. Both of those could take significant time, could take years once a deal is reached to flesh out the details. I'd say we're in this period of flux. And maybe, Alan, there was you know some cryptic messaging about unilateral measures. How do you, I mean, what do you think? Where are we on, on the path for agreement? Uh, thanks, Josh. I mean, interestingly, I think nothing. The idea is to sort of sidestep all the trade issues by having countries adopt a uniform and robust, robust uh, uh, global minimum tax. And by happenstance, I was speaking to various colleagues today uh, in, in um, uh, Switzerland and Ireland, and the U.S. is proposing a 21% rate. In certain instances in Switzerland, under various of the cantonal regimes, the rate is 13%. The rate, uh, sort of the headline rate in Ireland is 12.5%. So in terms of reaching agreement uh, on a 21% rate of corporate minimum tax, uh, you will have countries such as Switzerland, Ireland, and Hungary, which has a 9% rate, maybe not that much in favor of it, but subject to the unilateral uh, unilateral approach that the U.S. might take of denying deductions then to parties, uh, related parties or others in those countries. Uh, so I think uh, all of this has a long way to go to get uh, resolved. But I think the, the underlying premise um, now of the administration that uh, one, to reduce a, a race to the bottom, it, it, it is important for, for uh, countries around the world to agree to a, a uniform rate. But that whole arrangement will not get that far if there's a continuation of the imposition of unilateral uh, taxation through these DSTs or other types of gross basis taxation. And therefore, it's necessary to have a stable system that there is in agreement on pillar one. And as Josh was mentioning, uh, you know, you have to resolve uh, who's within scope, uh, how does this all work, uh, can you achieve certainty, and from the U.S. point of view, that it doesn't discriminate against the large U.S. taxpayer. So I think, Josh, it's a huge challenge not only in terms of doing all of that, but also maybe a equally 
a challenging um, uh, thing relating to uh, how all of this is going to be uh, passed uh, by the um, U.S. Congress, <laughs> which is probably a topic for another day. Indeed. Well, uh, thank you both. I, I find that I learned so much from both of you about uh, everything that is happening in parallel and in, in, in the tax and trade worlds right now. And really, one is uh, so dependent on the other in terms of outcome. And at the end of the day, you know, whether it's taxes or tariffs, it's all taxes in the end. <laughs> so, um, you know, please do reach out if you would like to talk to us more uh, about any of this. And we are going to continue uh, coming together to, to bring you more content. Please uh, keep an eye out for an upcoming uh, webinar on the same topic. And, and we may be coming back your way with a, a third podcast in this series. So, Josh and Alan, thank you again. Great to be with you and, uh, as always, to learn from you. And I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you for listening to an Eyes on Washington podcast brought to you by Holland and Knight's Public Policy and Regulation Group. For more information on our Public Policy and Regulation Group, please visit hklaw.com slash PPR.